created live on Fireside. Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to YNS Live with my guest, Kate Casey, who is has a amazing podcast. If you guys have not checked it out, it is constantly on the number one charts. I mean, she does so many fun things. It's called Reality Life. And if you are into reality shows or anything entertainment, Kate takes us through so many different avenues of the um, that world, but in a different perspective. So if you have not checked it out, you definitely have to check it out. It's fun. She brings um, just really fun life. Kate is a mom of five. Yes, I said five now. And Kate, you're muted. So I'm going to have you unmute um, in a second. But I am one of five. So I grew up five. So I can't wait to ask you questions about you know how that is because I loved it. And there was four girls and one boy. So I know that that's... Oh, cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I love that. Um, so I wanted to welcome you to, you to Fireside and YNS Live. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm still stuck on four girls, one boy. What's the number? What boy or what's the number? That so he he's, la- he's last. Oh. So I know your son is, what, what is your son? He's second. I, I was going to say, I feel like he was second. Yeah. So he was um, last. It was one of those like five years later, ups kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not planned. Um, but he's the most wonderful male. I have to say he is the most kind, like still when I see him, he's like, oh my God, did you do something different with your hair? Or oh, I like, like he always compliments. He's so like sweet to the core. Um, yeah. He probably right now would be like, wait, I'm sweet, but I'm still a man. You know, like- <laughs> yeah, no, my, my son's really sweet. I feel like girls are in love with him and he's oblivious. Like he's just yes. like, he's just, yeah, he's really, really, he's like my husband. My husband's from here. And he's just nice and he like believes in people. And I'm like this hardened East Coast direct <laughs> ball buster. So I don't fit in with the rest right. of them. No, so I guess like I got like, at least two kids that are more my, me. But yeah, no jokes. Right. He's dad. Well, so Kate lives on the West Coast. And so, but you did, you went to, um, and I love this because my daughter plays lacrosse. So we go oh, to Hershey. Okay. Oh, you played lacrosse too? I played lacrosse in uh, as a child uh, in middle school. They didn't have it uh, lacrosse in Milton Hershey, but then I played in college, and then I coached after, before I had kids, and then I played field hockey in high school and college. Oh my god, so did I. Look Yay. at this. I didn't really. Yeah, I played field <laughs> hockey and lacrosse in college too, and I love it. And so my daughter's playing it now, which I love. But so we go to a Hershey tournament every year, and we pass the school you went to, um, Milton Hershey. And I every time I pass, I'm like, that's such a gorgeous campus. And today I was listening to your episode with uh, one of your old um, schoolmates who yeah. was on the hoarding show. She's a crew member on hoarders. And I'm like, that is so perfect because we were brainwashed into being super clean and tidy because we would get merits and we would have somebody go through our room with a white glove to check for dust. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, of course you're on hoarders, but yeah, she lived across the hall from me in a student home of 16 girls. Which is crazy. Well, so when I first heard it, I thought you said she was like, like not a cat, like that she was a hoarder. And I was like, how this is going to be crazy. But then I realized as I was listening that she was, she worked on the show and I was like, oh, right. Cause that would, that would have been like some really like dark skeletons, right? You become a hoarder after. (laughs) I don't think anybody does. It's weird because you could, they could go one of both ways. It could be a complete clean freak or a hoarder, but almost, I don't think I've ever heard of any Milt that has ever been a hoarder. 
Right, right. Oh my gosh. So I wanted to welcome everyone to the um, to the show here. So Gina, Ray, Paul, and I know Susan, and I know people are going to be coming in and out. Uh, Jimmy, how are you? So if you guys, if you this is the first time you've ever been here on Fireside, if you click the two little lines yeah. below, you can actually see something where it says broadcast to the world or simulcast everywhere. And the thing that's so cool is that you can just kind of go behind the scene and put this on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, right now we're alive on LinkedIn. So hi guys on LinkedIn. And then, um, it, it also, I'm on Twitch, which I, may, I laugh every single time I say I'm on Twitch. I am on Twitch now because of Fireside. Um, my One of my kids is like, oh, I love that you're on Twitch uh, because, you know, it's a more of a younger gaming kind of thing. But I do have people that listen there. So hi, everyone on Twitch. So if you guys want to broadcast live or you can even send this through email or text or anything like that, and it just gets the word out more. This is just a different, you know, different platform than um, we are used to. And it's kind of cool. So I would love Kate to jump in because I want to know how you got into this world of podcasting. And I mean, you have, you've been podcasting for a long time because I think you just, uh, 400, yeah, 410 episodes. Um, so you got in it when it was like a little bit earlier, I feel like. So I would love to hear the story. So my background is actually, I did media consulting for global law firms for a long time, had my own firm, started to have children and felt like there was still this side of me that loved entertainment and comedy. So I started doing stand-up comedy and taking improv classes and started writing recaps of television shows in the form of a blog when people actually did that. Right. And so I started getting invited on podcasts because of it. And I thought, I could, I really want to do something, but that's a little bit different. So I pitched this idea to a network, which was the Wondery Network, and uh, for this idea of tracking down people who had been on reality shows like The Real World, which I had loved so much. Like, yes, I loved I would just like marathon through an episode um, or a season. So I thought I would love to track them down and see how it, that changed the trajectory of their life. Like how did being on a show like that um, change the course of their life? So right. never forget this. They asked me, do you think enough people watch reality shows? I swear to God, it happened. And I went... <laughs> Uh, yeah. And the, the funniest part about it is the number of podcasts now that are about reality shows is insane. But I was the first person that focused solely on reality show interviews. Um, my colleagues, uh, Heather McDonald would sometimes interview I, like a housewife and watch what Crappens would do recaps of Bravo shows. But mine was the first to find people, interview them, and then also have guests review shows. So I tailored it like a television show with an opening and a closing and then two and sometimes three guests per episode. So, so uh, cool. the front end, it would be an interview with a director or a producer or someone who's featured in a reality show, a documentary or a docu-series, or actually it was more reality shows then. And then the second segment would be, let me find someone and ask them to review this week's episode of like Sister Wives or The Bachelor or whatever. So as time has gone on, the unscripted umbrella has expanded. And I know that I have always been obsessed with storytelling, real people storytelling. Yeah. So now my show is really reality shows, documentaries, and docu-series. So I could do an episode where I interview, like today I'm going to interview Tyler Baltiera from Teen Mom OG, who placed a child for adoption with his then girlfriend when they were yeah, 16. I remember them. Then they got married and had three more kids. And so the last episode, they went to meet the 12-year-old daughter. She's now 12, that they placed for adoption. 
And they're very open about what that experience has been like. So then I have a girl from Winter House coming up. I, I just interviewed someone who's featured in a documentary. I interview people who are executive producers of reality shows, documentaries, docuseries. So I'm always really interested in anybody that is under that umbrella of unscripted, which is for layman in layman's terms, not a scripted show, not like made up characters. These are people with real stories that are featured on shows. Right. And I love that. And the thing is, as you said, with the storytelling, because I I just listened to, as I said, The Woman with the Hoarder, and then it was a documentary of the the cliff, you know, the guy that was on the cliff. What is right. his name? So Alex Lowe was yes. the, the greatest climber of his generation in 1999. He died in an avalanche and he was with a, a, a couple of other men. One, he and David went left and, and Conrad went right. right. Conrad lived. Conrad married Alex's widow adopted the three children. And then 16 years after the avalanche, there were other climbers that went up the same route. And guess what? They came across their bodies. I, I mean, I heard Did, that today. I actually like, it's crazy. I actually tripped when I was walking the dogs because I was like, <laughs> wait, what did she say? I was like, yeah. which is so cool. And it's also really cool from his perspective as the child. And I loved the questions that you asked because it's so true. Like he has to, you know, when Conrad married his mom, there has to be when, you know, the father wasn't found yet. Like there has to be something there that's like, just doesn't feel right. You know, even though, you know, this is a good thing, but there's still, you know, I mean, he was what, I think he was 10 when his dad died. He was nine when his father died. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so that's like, you know, a crazy time. And so I loved how you did that. And then you had the other episode with the the woman that you went to school with, which again is so fun that you were able to reconnect with her. And then you guys got to talk about, you know, yeah. going back to school. So after you do an interview, uh, most of the time, what is your feeling? Like you, you, you turn it off and you're like. Um, a couple things. One, I'm so I husband will tell you the problem that I have in life is that I get so engaged. If you, if I'm talking to you, you're the only person that exists in the world. I'm sucking you into the KK vortex. I will know everything about you. I don't want you to leave. I want to just stay in our little sphere and never let you go. Yeah. And I feel like when I'm interviewing someone, I've had that same feeling. And then afterwards, just like I meet somebody at a restaurant on the street, I want to tell everybody about the extraordinary person that I met. <laughs> I just met Juliet. She's got the coolest show and she is, the, the, you know, she's kids and they play lacrosse and field hockey and blah, blah, blah. I'm like that with my guests where I want to go out and tell everybody what an incredible person they are, where they can catch their documentary, docuseries or show. And the problem sometimes is I feel so connected to them that I'm surprised when they don't feel the same way to me because I feel like, <laughs> like we're, we're peeps, like we're in it to, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> but I have had people over the years that I've stayed connected with. Like one person I will forever be connected with is Marcus Lamonas from The Profit on CNBC. Oh, I love that. A wonderful show where he helps businesses and figures out how, how to, the, the three P's, people, process, and products. And so I had been begging him for an interview for a long time. I thought I would get 20 minutes. I got 40. And then he told me about being adopted and finding out he's, even though he was adopted by a he, in a Greek orphanage in Greece by Greek Americans and raised in Miami, he found out recently that he was actually from Syrian parents. So the show had gone back to talk about his experience. So we talked about that, but also he came forward and told me about being the victim of sexual assault as a young boy, which by the way, what man would ever be that? Right. Open? And someone with that success and that platform 
So I feel like that conversation was so deep and meaningful that I feel so connected to him forever now. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I literally, I after I interview someone, I like skip downstairs and it, my husband works from home now. And when the kids, when I pick the kids up, they know that I'm going to be like, oh my gosh. And she has five kids and she went to Milton Hershey and she played lacrosse and field hockey. I do the exact same thing. And it's funny because a lot of times my kids and my husband don't have the same excitement as I do. And oh, yeah. You know, I'm always like, well, no, no, you have to listen to it. And they're like, okay, okay, mom, you know, or okay, honey. Um, but it is a really, it's a, it's a gift, I believe, also. Like, I love how you said that. That's a, that's what you do. Because I feel I do the same thing. And that's what I love. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of mood I go into an interview. I always leave positive and happy and excited. And like, you know, just like, oh my gosh. Because I love hearing about other people's stories. I love hearing how people you know, where they were and how they became what they became because of like a passion or a spark and the fact that you were in the law side, but knew, you know what, I, that did something to me, right? That did something where I want to continue doing it. And then you went and pitched it. And that's what's so exciting. That's what I want my listeners to hear because so many people have ideas or they have something that they want to share, but they don't have the balls to go to the next step or they don't know how to go to the next step. Well, I also think that sometimes you have to give yourself grace because life is sometimes in chapters. So had I not yes. had that first chapter, maybe I was really good at my job, but I didn't love it. And right. sometimes you stay in the job because you're really good at it or you make a lot of money. But truthfully, it sets the tone for your second chapter. Had I not had that job, I wouldn't have the interview skill set. I wouldn't understand right. how to do pitching. I wouldn't have the confidence in certain ways. And then sometimes I end up interviewing attorneys as part of my show, if there's like a legal aspect to some show or a storyline. So it, it just, it's all in layers and it all helps in the end. So be proud of the accomplishments that you had in the first or second or third chapter, because they carry you into the next one. Right. And I love that you said that. So, and I want some, this wants me to kind of take you to like, how old are your kids? So where, where were you when you started having your kids? And then where were you with the, your podcast? So I started writing a blog right when my oldest was born. So she's 12. Okay. So my kids are 12, 10, 8, 6, and 3. So right. the podcast, the first episode aired on the first birthday of my fourth child. Amazing. So, and I, by the way, I've never taken a maternity leave in my entire life. So I had an episode out when Caroline, my three-year-old was born. Um, I'm like, just go through, like, let's keep the train moving friends. Right. So I, they feel very much a part of my show too. Um, and I'll, most times in the beginning of my show, I'm telling people what I'm watching this week or what I recommend. And it all, you know, sometimes while well, my kids watch this, my husband like that, you know, they're kind of incorporated as well. Well, that's what I loved about it because you make it so real. I mean, you really do. It's like it's like a little vision into your world about what you like and then how you yeah. just talk to these people, just like have normal conversations. So you make it very real and um and inspirational. So I love that. And I think it's important for, you know, men and women to hear. And I loved what you said. You didn't love your job. You were fine, right? It was like, okay, I'm going through the motions. It was fine, but you didn't love it. And not that we all have to love everything at every moment, but I say time and time again on this podcast, if you're feeling unsettled or a little bit stuck, it's probably because you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. And you need to kind of like listen, whether you believe in God or the universe, you need to just take a step and just be like, okay, what am I meant to be doing? Is there something more out there for me? So, and then the chapter thing, I love that you said that too, because I'm the same. I went to advertising sales, you know, when I got married, then I happened to stay home with my, my children 
out of choice. And then there was a period of time where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little like, this is, this is not, they're getting older. They don't need me in the same capacity. I want something more. And that's kind of where I fell into consulting and then storytelling. And then that evolved into this. Then the quarantine, I started really interviewing people and I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. I love this so much that, um, this is my next chapter, right? So, um, when now, when you had your children, did you, um, as you said, you took no maternity leave? So, did you feel like you were still as creative? Like, what were some of the struggles there as you were juggling, you know, being a mom, but also kind of coming up with these ideas? And mm-hmm. I actually feel like I, I've become infinitely more creative with children. Mm-hmm. I'm a better multitasker. I'm not somebody that sleeps a lot. I usually sleep between five to six hours a night. Uh, I do, I'm just much better at finessing um, difficult situations because having children is finessing difficult situations all the time. (laughs) Um, I also feel like having kids, I mean, there's a whole other set of ways that I can connect with somebody. I mean, Tyler Baltera today from Team Mom, I mean, his oldest was born a month and a half before my oldest. So I can, I feel like I can understand a part of their life, uh, life path because I've lived a similar life. Um, I think that it gets tricky with schedules. I mean, I'm picking up my kids, uh, go to school 25 minutes away. So, and I'm picking them up and dropping them off. So I, that's the scheduling of interviews gets tricky that way. And sometimes if they're home, I want to murder them because they're too loud and then I have to bribe them. And I have to hide in closets sometimes and record. What in the- <laughs> I would go to LA and I would record in a studio and I was such a ding dong that I thought, Oh, they like love to see me. They love, I'll drive down to LA two hours in traffic. They wanted, they, like they didn't give two shits about me. So <laughs> I, I found the beauty of like zoom is great because I mean, I did an interview with Swedish directors of a documentary that aired on HBO. And it's like, I loved it. And I got to share the story of this bonker story by interviewing people in Sweden. Like, I'm not going to fly to Sweden. So I just, it's actually kind of the the global pandemic normalized Zoom interviews, which was good for me. (laughs) No, 100%. And I love that you said that. And the other thing when you're saying about schedules, because it's always about schedules and Every day that I have an interview, and I do it a couple times a day, I always will get a text, like, I feel like 10 minutes before, darn it, I forgot my running shoes. Can you drop them off? And I'm like, I told you. Did you hear me? I have Kate Casey on today. No, I cannot run your running right. shoes to school. You're like, like you and run they, home and get them. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, they're, they're not, it's so funny because they're not forgetful kids, but it's always like at that moment, we're like, oh no, I really actually need you to do it. And my husband is working at home, but he's usually on calls all the time. He's not going into the city right now. So it's hard for him to jump in. But so it's like every single time and it happened again today. And I literally last week had a bit of a, like kind of like a yelling mat. Like I said to, I'm like, guys, listen, I am trying to do something. Like I am loving this next chapter in my life and I am busier, right? So I'm not at your disposal like I was before. Not that I would just like drop things and do it, but you know, I'm just not, I, I am doing other things. So you guys need to be really on your own stuff. Like I am not I'm not running lunches and I'm I'm not doing that anymore. And I feel like ever since I said that, it's been like, oh, I forgot my sneakers. Oh, can you bring this? Oh man, it didn't fit in my backpack. Are you the nicer of the parents? Like if, if, if you're mad, do they care? No, they don't care. Oh, see, I'm, (laughs) 
I'm I'm not married. Like I am. Oh, they're scared of me. Like what? Well, right. I was like, screaming at the soccer game yesterday, and these parents were looking at me. I was like, "Yeah, welcome to my kids' world." Like I'm terrifying. But my <laughs> I wish I was. I think I am. But <laughs> and my sister, she'll yell at her kids, and I would say, "The problem is you have a nice voice." Right. Like if I yell at you, oh my god! Like if right. the way I look at you, like <laughs> I, yeah. So you I just think do- when. Well, when they were younger, I feel like they were a little bit more. My husband is super laid back. So I am like, if I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm sad, I'm sad. Like my emotions are big at all times. So I think my kids are used to like, oh, okay, mom's got a big emotion. Do you know what I mean? My husband is super even keeled. So when he gets angry, it's like, oh my God, what happened? Do you know what I mean? But with me, I'm constantly like, where are your shoes? I love you so much. Stop doing that. You know, like, or something. So I'm always constantly like a big emotion. Um, So I feel like maybe it's a little bit more like that. Are you a little bit more even killed? So like when you get pissed, do you really get pissed? No. No, no. I am an Academy Award winning (laughs) guilt inducing mother and I squat down and the way I talk to you and I break something down and I'm like let me break this down to you I can be terrifying I I told you I was coaching uh, before I had kids and I was coaching field hockey and lacrosse and I used to run beside the kids like run beside (laughs) them this is terrifying and then I would turn to them and I would go I'm like twice your age aren't you embarrassed that I can keep (laughs) up with you like I'm crazy. Oh my God. I love that. Right. (laughs) Right. You're like, okay. So I do want to say anyone in the audience that wants to ask a question, if you go to your react sign, there's a little, like a little emoji, like, Hmm, doing that. You can ask um, a question. We can bring you up and you can, or you can just type it if you don't want to come up. Cause I know there's some people, I feel like Gina's like ready, like listening to a call and also (laughs) um, doing things. So was five kids planned? Um, I wanted a fa- big family. I had the first baby in the hospital and I went, I'm, I'm, I said to the nurses, I'm coming back. Like I could not believe how much I enjoyed being pregnant, but s- this is going to sound really sick. I love labor. Oh, like, interesting. I am like, I feel like it's the greatest physical achievement. And I walk, like, I'm not a normal person. I walk into the delivery hall and I go, what's up? What's up, party people? And I'm like doing splits and high kicks. And they're, I mean, so my room is always filled with all my friends. And they bring champagne and we're chatting with the nurses. My husband's always in the corner working on his computer. He does not want to look at my placenta, like has zero interest. Right. So he'll stand next to <laughs> And there will be eight or, you know, the last Caroline, there were 10 women in the room Wow! and they're all kind of standing around and they're like holding my leg and they were like pushing through. And I, the Scientologist would love me because I'm a very much like a silent birther. Like I don't scream or anything. I just kind of go into a zone and then the baby comes out and everyone's drinking champagne and it's, right. it's really a very fun experience. So Do I'm going to have more baby. I, I mean, if I could like drug them. Can, you, can I like get my husband drunk, maybe? Right. right. <laughs> Wait, the last baby, I didn't tell him I was pregnant until I was 22 weeks. Oh my god. 20. I went in for the ultra, like the whole, the whole thing. I went in. They were like, "Have you told him yet?" And I said, "I just don't really want to stress him out because he is he, he is a tech company. He's the CEO. Right. It was like a startup, and he was like, "What? Um, uh, right." 
So <laughs> great. Yeah. Cause five kids is not right. It's not, it's so not I like one kids. I was pregnant with a baby. I was pretending to drink wine cause I was trying to delay it and add the whole show and the shebang. And then I was like, yeah, I, by the way, I'm pregnant. And how did part of the course for me? Right. Oh my God. I love that. See, like I did not like to, oh good. Gina has a question. Um, I did not like, it's funny. I, I was not the nicest pregnant person. So when I became pregnant, literally within the hours of like attachment, everyone around me knew I was pregnant. They're like, Oh, you're pregnant. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I get real mean. <laughs> like my oldest still remembers when my daughter was born. He's like, mom, you were so mean. And I was like, I know, honey, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. People at work, they were like, Oh, like my first, when I was pregnant with the first and then like childbirth did not work. Like my body decided it didn't want to go into labor. So I was always late. I would gain another 10 pounds. I actually castor oiled my second and third out because I was like, I'm not doing another cesarean. Um, and like the mess that ha- my husband literally walked in after 20 minutes. Cause he's like, where are you? I was in the bathroom, basically everything coming out of both ends. Oh, about out of both ends, but laughing. Cause I'm like, it's happening. I'm not going to get another cesarean. He's like, Oh, you're insane. And Oh my God, this is, disgusting. I'm like, yeah, so, so sorry. I, I, I don't know what happened. I like dilated like crazy because I, I, I did take, I mean, I, I did have a doula. I lived in the city and my doula did say like, take this much. You can take th- a little bit more if you really want to get things going. And I'm like, I can't have another cesarean. And I was scheduled the next day and he was already eight days late. So I was oh, like, yeah, that's not cool. You can, yeah, you can't go eight no, days late. My so first bad. one was nine days late. I gained, I was gained 12 pounds at last <laughs> nine that's, days. Yeah, that's not safe. Yeah. No. And they were huge. They were, I mean, it was, yeah. So my first, it was an emergency cesarean. I didn't like, it was him, but yeah, that's, a, that's a whole, I've done podcasts on it. It was, I mean, it was so gross, but I was like, literally like laughing, like a, like an insane person on the toilet. Like, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get that. When my water broke with the first one, I could not stop laughing. And we pulled up to the hospital and I'm like, water's coming out. I was wearing running shorts. And I <laughs> said to the valet guys who probably were in their early 20s, was like, this is some funny shit, right? And they were like, <laughs> like we haven't seen this before, lady. Dan's like, just go upstairs, be quiet. I think the whole thing is hilarious too. Right. Well, so, and I love that your husband's name is Dan. My husband's name is Dan as well. So we had boxers and Gina, I'm going to get to you in two seconds. I'm sorry. So I've always had boxers. And when my placenta, I mean, my water broke with the first, I had to strip my membrane like a thousand times. And it was like nine days and my water broke and my boxer happened to be like right there and started eating it, like licking it up. And I was like, I don't, ah, that's fine. That's what they do in the wild. We're good. Right. Totally. (laughs) Right. I'm like, I'm like her pack. She doesn't know that I'm like, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm still alive. No, my Lucy. No, we've had like five boxers since. No, yeah, no. Boxers don't live as long as I would love. And I'm not going to go into that because I literally, the last four podcasts I've had, I've ended up crying because we lost our mail this summer, like hysterical crying on the podcast and like laughing then because I'm like, oh, didn't expect that. <laughs> okay. Right. You know? Um, okay, Gina, how are you? Welcome to YNS Live. Yeah. I can hear you. Hi. Okay, I'm so, I'm, you're, I love you. I'm just, I'm in between laughing and jaw dropped, and you can't see me, right? Can you see me? No, we cannot oh, see you. I'm so freaked out. I've never, like, I'm like, my picture's not going to pop up. Anyway, Kate, I am newly obsessed with you. Um, so, my question is all of this going on, five kids, like, how do you quiet your mind? 
how do you find a space right when you are you in and it sounds like you have such a, a high like level of awareness and consciousness and that takes work to get there to be able to view the world like you do so where do you go to find that space in all of your chaos well i feel like i'm actually most comfortable in the midst of chaos and like being in a student home with 16 girls and house parents and then their children i think well and i also grew up in a house with three girls too that i'm actually most comfortable in those situations and I've always been obsessed with storytelling and people. I used to sit on the floor of my mom's bedroom and look through her Radnor yearbook and ask questions. So what street did they live on? How many kids did they have? What did their father do? Are they still <laughs> married? When you went back to the reunion, were they together? Or were they angry? <laughs> and I meet people and I want to know all the members of their family. And the weird thing is, so I, I've since found out there's at the University of California of Irvine, they have a memory center. And I asked someone there about my specific memory. The only other person I found that has that memory is President Clinton. And they call it, it's like a superior recall for details about people. So President Clinton was a great campaigner because he was like, Marge, do you still live on Maple Street? And how's your uncle? And did you get the, the ankle surgery and all of that? And I'm kind of like that too. So it's almost like somebody I would equate it to, I don't have ADHD, but people who are like painters or something, that when they're in the space of the thing they love, it's like everything melts away. And so for me, I can be in the middle of a tornado, but if I can lock eyes with someone and start talking to them about their life, everything sort of shuts off around me and I can go into a zone. Um, and I also think I'm an extraordinary multitasker. So I'm not phased by other things moving around me. Um, I can really just kind of, focus in on that person. I hope that answers your question. And then yeah, I have my kids. It totally does. I mean, it's, it, it it, you know, and I, I can't, because now I want to freaking interview you. You're completely fascinated <laughs> with that. I've never heard that. Like you find your space literally in the chaos when you're lasered into something. And I've, I've like, never heard that. And I love that you said too, same with me. I can, I'll never remember your name, but I'll, I'll never forget a story. Like if I know, and I've connected to somebody on that level, I will never forget your story. I will not remember your name, but I can look at you and know your story. And I love that you said that. Here's an example is I'm at uh, my kid's school. There are kids running around all of, you know, whatever. And I lock in with, a, with these three middle school kids. And one of them asked like, okay, like, what have you been watching lately? And I started telling them about this documentary. And then all of these other kids kind of start hovering around and I'm like squatting and I'm like, wait and get this wait it gets crazier and the, the, and then these kind of kids come around and I'm like oh this is my sweet spot like getting people to kind of gather and to hear about a story and then to want to follow that lead to go down the rabbit hole more so I almost feel like that is like charges my battery to being around a chaotic situation um, that kind of fuels me in a way that being alone in a room with just like a notebook would actually suck out my battery. That makes sense. I love that. that and I think it makes so much sense to me. I've yeah. never something makes so much sense to someone like me than that just did. And that actually, I feel like you just gave me permission to not feel like I have to do that journaling thing because oh. I, oh. no, I, I just, I've never heard it put that way. And I'm like, oh yes. I'm like, wow. Okay. Thank you. So, okay. Thank you. <laughs> bad though. One, this is one. I probably shouldn't tell a story, but I will. Tell it. Tell it. 
okay. So I pick up Mia, my oldest, and she was at a birthday party. And this girl walks up um, and she's French. And the kids are getting in the car. I agreed to take a bunch of kids home. And I asked her, so what town are you in from France? And she tells me, and I said, so are you familiar with the family of the DuPonts from that town, the father? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's 12. I said, on Solve Mysteries, he murdered his whole family and buried them under the patio. Had you ever heard of that? <laughs> I forget that that's not my child. My child, my children are like unfazed because I'm always like, oh my God, you guys, and then this lunatic, and then this. <laughs> and the little girl was like, oh no. So anyway, <laughs> she walks away. The other kids are in the car, and I was like, and they're and they're like, okay, wait, so what happened? <laughs> So go through the thing. I'm like, yeah, and it's called fa- family and um, annihilation, like an- annihilation, where the father murders the whole family. And it was probably because of financial matters and because his family didn't have much money. And I'm like, I'm going through this whole thing. And then I get a text from uh, the mom later. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Um, like, so it sounds like she had a very interesting conversation <laughs> in the car ride home. And I was like, I have to stop. I have to, so I, I know. How did you, how did you level that one? How did you, how did you respond to the mom? I got to know. Like, what were you like? I said, you're right. I'm a ding dong. Why did I tell them that story? I said, I, I, I get so caught up in the story sometimes. And I forget that other children do not <laughs> understand certain situations because I have told my kids about probably too much. And she laughed about it. She said, no, that's probably good that she heard that story. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that mom like high fives me every time she sees me, but <laughs> I, I, that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. But I'm like, it, I have uh, plenty of other stories I can get these kids excited about. I love it. I love it. And I think the storytelling thing is, as Gina was saying, Gina, thank you for uh, jumping up and sharing that because it is, I sometimes create chaos because that's how my brain works the best too. And I do have ADHD though. So that's the difference. But storytelling is another thing that I've always loved. Like when my kids were little and I can't believe I never wrote it down, but I had all these series and kids would come over and be like, what happened to the frog next? And I'd be like, it did this. And I just remember like their big meatball eyes just, you know, and I remember that like then I was like, wow, I have a gift that I didn't realize was a gift, right? Because I used to do the same thing, ask my parents a thousand questions. And I I think questions are so important. Um, I think that people that ask questions are actually at a different level because they ask questions because of, of curiosity. And I think it's so important. When my kids were little, I would always say to them, ask as many questions questions as you want, right? So I would have friends, the moms would be like, can can you take my kid? Cause your kids ask so many questions and I see that you just answer them. So like nonchalantly, like, yes, da, da, da. you don't even skip a beat. you just answer questions. They're like, it drives me crazy that my kid asks me questions. I'm going to send them to you. And I'm like, yeah, tell them to call me. And I'm happy to answer as many questions. Cause I love answering questions. I think it's like so fascinating to hear someone's story and really get in there and get deep. So I love that you shared that. I also really enjoy a crazy person. Like I love crazy people. I went to the boarding school, as we mentioned, it was for underprivileged children. So everybody who goes to that school, you're from below the poverty level, you're an orphaned child, or you're from a single parent family. So it was kind of nice to go there because my family was crazy and my parents are lunatics, sorry. And then I went there and then it was like a buffet of craziness. And it was just like putting my seatbelt on every day. I was like, wait, and then what happened? There was this one dad he made me laugh so hard. He'd show up in butterfly collar shirts. Like he wasn't in the right decade. And so <laughs> the daughters would tell, tell me that the craziest thing their dad did was that one year for Christmas, he presented them as a gift, a new kids on the block concert poster. 
fine. Best part is he forged all the names of the band members. I'm like, how did you know they were forgeries? She's like, it was the same handwriting and the same pen. And I was like, now that I want to party with that cowboy. Like that to me, I'm like, that's the kind of people I want to be around. Like the nuttier, the nuttier, the nuttier, the better. I'm right. a crazy person. No, and it is, it's so fun. It's so fun. So I want to welcome Stephanie uh, to the audience, but I also want to have Paul jump up and ask your question. Welcome, Paul. So you had to unmute yourself, the little monkey or microphone. Yep, there you go. Well, why I got to be a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's... <laughs> I love it. I just realized that I'm like, and it's so, I mean, I don't know. I was, my father always used to call us either his little monkeys or his, or his little, for some reason, little penguinos, which means penguin, little penguins. Oh, <laughs> don't know why. Maybe because I was just a little fat little kid hobbling around like a little... <laughs> Like a little, like a little penguin. Uh, yeah, gr- uh, great show today, guys. Well, probably always, but this is the first time I've caught it, so thank, thank you. Ah, uh, yeah, you're very welcome. Um, my question was, and because I'm always curious, you know, when people kind of change their lives or just go, you know, maybe their journey. So I was interested in, in finding out who, what's, what has been like the most, uh, out, you know, they were very outrageous, say when they're on reality TV, but now they're just. They're just like normal or, oh. you know, uh, is there, does someone come to mind or maybe. I mean, for, right off the bat, I, I just thought like the situation Sorrentino from Jersey Shore, not what I expected. I found him to be introspective and kind. And he said things because he had been off the show for a couple of years. Like, why did I let my brother do my finances? And I was so high in that scene and I didn't treat women with respect. And I'm glad that I went off the show because I kind of, realized the kind of person that I want to be. And, and I think people saw that shift when he went back on the show that he was a much more centered, grounded person. So I liked him. I actually really loved John Gosselin from John and Kate plus eight. And he said things to me like, yeah, people make fun of me because I'm a DJ at a club, but you know what? I have a job that doesn't require my children being on television. And what I've learned is that being reliant on my kids, for a paycheck is not the kind of person I want to be and not the kind of parent I want to be. And I, I, so there have been many interviews like that where I just thought you are totally not what I expected. Lots of housewives where I think they're going to be delusional lunatics and they're actually very kind, very centered, interesting, extraordinary women who have lived very interesting lives. And I, I think that that housewives is at its best when it's a show about complicated women and their complicated friendships. So I think that the more, that I get a chance to talk to them. I take them from being a one-dimensional person on a television show and ex- and highlighting that they're in fact three-dimensional women with very interesting life journeys and most interesting experiences after they've done the show because they look at life in a different way and also helps us as the viewer look at people in a different way. We all have our own lens through which we look at shows and that the more that we talk about and express it, and share our our vision or our opinions, it might change the way that we look at other people that are in that group. Like a great example is um, Shaws of Sunset is a show on Bravo about a group of Persian Americans. And for a lot of people in this country, they've never seen anybody who's Persian. And in one episode, they couldn't go to Iran to visit relatives. So they went to the border of Turkey and they're, they're, 
relatives from Iran came over and met them. And it was a chance for them to show not only their traditions and their customs, but to express on camera what it's like to have relatives living in another part of the world and the set of circumstances that led their parents to bringing them to America. So somebody who has never seen anybody on Persian on television suddenly understands their culture and their country and the dynamics of their, the, their political strife, et cetera. And now they think that that's a friend of theirs. So when they are talking to somebody about Nauru's, like the Persian holiday, uh, New Year, it's like they have a friend and it totally shifts the way they think about um, other people in other parts of the world. So um, I love it all. I think it's really in, like such a valuable medium, uh, unscripted TV. And I found that through the interviews that I've done that uh, many times my opinion of something does shift. I, you know, I love that you just said that, Paul, that was such a great question, because I love that you said that your opinions shift, because right, we see these people on TV, you expect them to be a certain way. And then the fact that then when you're interviewing them, they're completely not. And, and well, I think I that's would, fascinating. I would like to add, many of them are garbage people. Right. It's true. They're, they're still an archetype. There are a ton of people that are like, I'm unhappy with my life because I want attention. And they're not introspective enough to know that they're enough on their own. They don't need likes and comments and praise, et cetera. And sometimes people don't have that realization till they're off a show for about 10, 15 years. Sometimes the greatest interviews are ones from like the real world where somebody has been on television for 20 years. Right. So when you interview all these people, what I would love, because I have so many people that ask me how I prepare to do an interview. I love a conversation. I love being surprised. I always do a little bit of research. You know, I just like like to know a tiny top line, but then I love to be surprised because I always feel like that's when I become, you know, I have the best questions. I'm, I'm the most curious. I ask, you know, different questions that maybe not everyone asks. So how do you prepare for the interviews that you are doing with the shows? Well, um, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a bunch of things. So it's reading interviews that they've done or books that they've read. Uh, written or podcast interviews that they've previously done. Um, But sometimes it's just something uh, having to do specifically with them that I'm thinking, this is the question that someone probably has never asked. Right. I was just kind of mindful of like, if somebody is listening to this in a car or on a walk or at work or wherever it is, what's the best use of their time and what do they want to walk away learning about this person and and how can I help them shift the way they think about the show or series that they were part of? Right. I love that. That's, a, that's such a great, such a great answer because it's true. There's different avenues, right? You have to kind of do a little bit of stuff there. So I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Paul's. Was there anyone that literally comes to mind right away, like without thinking that surprised you in a bad way? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's like many people that I'm like, I hate that person. I will never talk to them again. Of course. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I find in the heart hierarchy, I would say that the least interesting people tend to be from The Bachelor. And I'll okay. tell you why. They're typically very young and they're people who have not really been out in the workforce that long. You know, they're like they're in their early 20s and they sort of expect this escalator to success. Right. Like, I'm going to graduate from school. Maybe I'm going to be like a substitute teacher, whatever. But I really want to be an influencer. So I'll just go on the show. I'll pretend I want to make out with this person. I'll do some really stupid stuff. 
then I'm going to be, you know, I have enough of a platform where I can sell like, you know, weightlifting equipment or whatever it is. Right. So it's just kind of like, you know, there's not enough meat on the bones yet. Right. There's not enough and they're not yeah. in depth. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's sometimes the hardest. Um, yeah, I would say probably that they're, they're the, the most difficult. However, people who were on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette years ago and then come back are always fantastic. Even people not too, like Bachelor Pete, Pete Weber, uh, who was Pilot Pete. Yep. That's a great interview. And he was on the show not too long ago, but still he's had like a couple years introspection where he's like, oh my God, what was I thinking that I would meet a girl in like a sea of 30? Like what? Right. So that, right. Like playing off of that. Right. Cause that brings me to that. Right. So anyone that you, and I'm sure there's a lot of them, but again, just one that you can think of that came on the show and they were like, you know what? I hated who I was. I really, I became an awful person and then went through some really bad times. And then, then you interview them when they're kind of on the up and up. Is there anyone that you can think of there? I mean, I'm sure there are people that are, are like, yeah, I was really wasn't the best version of myself. It's more like they're still trying to unpack who they were before. Like I just had Jed from The Bachelorette. So he won his season. He got engaged to Hannah Brown, who's okay. like, loved. And what came out afterwards was this girl that he had been dating before he went on the show said, wait a minute, like, I thought we were in love. I met his parents. He said he loves me. Like, what's going on? And by the way, I am also a country music uh, singer. And you can, you know, hear me play at this, you know, place. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. You're despondent because he went on a reality show, but you're also a country music star and you want us to know where you're playing. And you're like, eh, something doesn't feel right. Right. So he's on the cover of the tabloids and it's like this piece of shit. Like, how could he go on the show and he broke her heart and blah, blah, blah. So he hadn't been on doing any interviews for like a year and a half, two years or something. So I don't know how the grace of God, it was like the clouds parted. I sent him a DM and it was like, yeah, Kate, yes. let's make this dream happen. You know what I mean? Right. So I interview him and I found him to be very, very kind and sweet. Again, introspective. And he said, let me just lay this stuff out. He's like, first of all, I dated the girl. I wasn't even that serious about her. And I'm like, by the way, if a guy says to me, heads up, I'm going to be gone for three months because I'm going to go on The Bachelorette, that's parties over, friends. Like, totally. we're not gonna, like, clearly, we're not serious because you're going off to a show. Right. But he's like, uh, yeah, that was my point exactly. But what he says is that that girl exaggerated to get her own clout. Right. And that he felt because he was only 23 when he went on the show. Guy's only 25 now. Again, oh like gosh, so he, young. He said, I just felt like I had to go through with the program. So it's someone telling him, you know, it'll just look better if you do this. You're not confident, confident enough in yourself because of a lack of life experience to say, I have to be my own true self. Like, yeah, I dated the girl a couple of times, but like, I'm going to go on the show. I didn't like, listen, I'm training here. I'm doing this job. Like I don't even have a full-time job. I just wanted an adventure. He can't say that or he doesn't feel like he could right? because you've got this massive television organization behind you. And maybe they're not saying to him, listen, we've got a gun to your head and you better do what I say. But for a 23-year-old, it might certainly feel that feel way. Feel that way, right. So two years later, he, he's like, yeah, I was a ding dong. I shouldn't have said I love you to the girl because I say it to like everybody I ever like come across. 
So my bad, but still I did go on a reality show. And also he said, I mean, I, I thought Hannah was great, but the truth is like, I'm one of 30 guys. We connected because we're both from the South. But when you take everything away, like the helicopters and the champagne and the caviar and the, like the dresses, I don't know if we had that much in common. Right. I'm like, and for that, I love you. So those are like great interviews because, and the weird thing with The Bachelor is it's a very young audience. So my friend, John Paul Jones was on it and he would tell me the DMs that I get are from really, really young girls. So you almost feel like, and he has sisters, like I don't want to be a douchey guy, but when I interviewed him, I asked for questions ahead. I'm not kidding you. All the questions were like, can you ask me where his boxers or briefs and what's his astrological sign? Like <laughs> that is a young, young question. Like a right. woman in her 30s is like, do you have a retirement account? Where do you want to <laughs> live? How many girls have you slept with? Do you have any STDs? Do you have an arrest warrant? For, right. you know, like, those are the questions. Not like, like, how many women do you know in their 30s are like, I don't know if I could date him because he's a Scorpio. Right. right. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? That you're way past that. Right, right, right. That's so, so funny. Um, okay, so I have like a couple more questions. One, now that you're on the West Coast, yeah. do you miss the East Coast? Yes. I feel like the biggest difference between here and there, I love the weather and I yes. I won't, won't leave because I hate the cold. It makes me miserable. So no, I'm not going back. However, I do miss people. The biggest difference is that West coasters or at least Southern California people or women, well now people, they're ter- East coasters want to set the trend. Southern California people want to be, there's a paranoia about following the trend. So you have to have the same bag, the same car, go to the same vacations. It's like, I have to do what everybody else does. But East coasters are like, I'm going to set the trend and be unique. And that is hard for me because I'm way more like that. Right. Um, And I'm a very direct person. I can be loud. I can be pushy. And people here are not accustomed to that. I do like out here people are much more open about health stuff. So you can say, I went to a Reiki expert. I eat gluten-free. I hate dairy. I go to a chiropractor. Like I like coconut oil. But I think back East, it's like, you don't tell people you go to a therapist, like you're a freak. So I do like that part about West Coast people that are much more progressive about taking care of oneself. Right. Which, I mean, and that's always known. It's funny because I do go to a chiropractor and I use homeopathy and I live uh, at the beach in Long Island. And it's very funny when people are like, wait, what do you do? And I'm like, they're like, you don't take an aspirin. I'm like, no, I take homeopathy. And they're like, I don't understand. I'm like, I just headstands and then you have a magician come in and then there's like a butler. Um, I do think also that uh, East coasters are much more intense and aggressive. Yes. And we work much harder. Like people here, at least where I live, it's like, like, I'll tell you what's different. I'll call my sister in New Jersey and say, I'm at baseball practice. It's 410. Both parents of these players are here. The dads are all playing, like throwing the football. The moms are on, towels on the grass with a charcuterie board and they're drinking rosé and it's 410 my sister's like what is going on i'm like this place is bonkers like i don't even want to see baseball practice like i got stuff to do i'm gonna be in my car answering emails i'm gonna go to cost right. like making things happen but people here are much more like easy breezy maybe it's maybelline i don't know it's a whole <laughs> different kind of thing where in new jersey is your sister she lives in a town called rumson yeah so I yeah. grew up in, um, that's, you know, 
central New Jersey. I grew up in South New Jersey, like Southern New Jersey, right oh, outside yeah. of Philly. I'm from Philly. Oh, that's right. Yes, I knew that. Yeah. So I grew up right outside. I grew up in Morristown. Oh, yeah. We went to field hockey camp with, with girls from Morristown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were big, big field hockey. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I, can I tell you something? Lately, I've been having daydreams. Like, I want to go out on a turf and play. I feel... Mm. My friend Megan owns this company with her husband called Kilo Gear Cut. Look it up. K-I-L-O Gear Cut. It's like workout okay. clothes with weights in it. Oh. And Megan still play. She'll go off and, and play in like a field hockey tournament. And I am dying to do that. That's awesome. I took the kids too. I took the kids to Dick's Sporting Goods. And I was showing them like, um, you know, kind of going back and forth with the field hockey stick and the ball. Yeah. And my kids were like, what is this stupid sport? And I'm like, I will rock it. It's I will go to the turf right now and I will knock the ball down the field. Yeah. Like, I, wanna, I feel like I want to just meet some girls and just play. I don't know if they're high school girls who will play with me, but I want to play. <laughs> they might. Just put your hair on a high pony. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Just go have it. And don't let your kids be around you because <laughs> then they'll be like, wait, she's got a lot of kids. <laughs> hey, guys, I want to play some field hockey. That's so funny you said that. Now that Penelope, my daughter, is playing lacrosse, uh, I have, there's a couple different worlds of people being like, hey, do you want to come and play here? And I'm like, God, I haven't picked up, you know, I mean, I haven't picked up a lacrosse stick. I'm in good shape, but like, obviously I play catch with her, but like really run. And I'm like, wow, that would like so bring back like amazing times. Like my college just had their, you know, their alumni game. I couldn't go because I was at a tournament, but it's like, I haven't been in that world where I know there's a couple girls out here that have stayed in that world, right? They played in college. They either coach like here, you know, with, with the kids, but they always kind of stayed in it. I really didn't until now. And my daughter was a gymnast for a long time, but then retired and I got her to play lacrosse. Field hockey doesn't start here for a little bit. Um, and so that's like my next thing, but I love it. My younger sister started a league in Charlotte because they didn't have field hockey and she played. And so she started a league. Yes. In a Catholic um, school. So she's a coach. Loves it. I love her. Wait, Penelope is such a beautiful name. Thank you. Thank you. What are the other kids' names? Montgomery and Truman. Stop it. Yeah. So so this is what everyone asks. Um, they ask if they're family names, and Gina's going to laugh right now. So, or are we history buffs? Um, we are not, and they are not. So Montgomery is actually named after the 25th hour, uh, you know, a Spike Lee movie, Montgomery Bro- Brogan, um, who was a drug dealer. So we always laugh because we're like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So when people say, Oh, is he named after the general? I usually, cause I like to surprise people. I'm like, no, he's named after a drug dealer. And I keep walking and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, Oh, it wasn't ours. It's okay. Um, <laughs> keep, keep walking. You're like, he, he just did marijuana, not meth. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and then so they're always like, wait, what is this? So my oldest, he worked in uh, like a pretty high-end restaurant here in the town that we live in. And so when people would ask him their name, like, oh, is it a family name? So he started getting, he'd be like, no, my parents named me after a drug dealer. Oh, wait, I'm like, I'm dying. Uh, Truman is a wonderful name. I love yes. that. I, be- I like names like that too. So what are your kids' names? So my oldest is Amelia for Amelia Earhart and Grace. It's Amelia Grace for Grace Kelly, Philly girl, but we Love call that. her Dino. My son is Jack Holden for Jack Kennedy and Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye. Then I have a little girl, Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, after um, Rutherford B. Hayes, who's yeah. uh, I'm a descendant. And then my fourth is a little girl named Sutton 
we call her Sutty, but Sutton because my grandmother studied in England and lived in this little neighborhood called Sutton. And then my youngest is Caroline, which is like a great Kennedy name. I love those. I love those. Yeah. So that's what well, literally we would get pregnant. And that was a fa- our favorite thing is to decide on names. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, Montgomery, that was our favorite movie at the time. And we never, we didn't find out if we were having a boy or a girl. And so I just remember like rooting, everyone was like rooting. They're like, oh my God, I hope it's Montgomery. I'm like, so do I. Cause it's such, mm-hmm. it's like my favorite. And his name is Montgomery James and then Truman George and then Penelope Marie. Um, but we also call her Pips. So she's not like, people are like, oh, Penny. And I'm like, no, she's not a Penny. And we're like, even though we're not like full name people, like if you met us, like we're pretty like, not, I mean, I don't want to say chill, but like not like I don't correct people with like, you know, if they call like him a nickname, but we liked Monty, like Monty. Um, and then we went to, our, my last name is Han and we couldn't believe, and my husband, we're like pretty much into, like we love movies that we didn't name him Pyth, Monty Python. We were like, ah, oh, we missed that. What were we thinking? We weren't like in a joking mood. But yeah, names are our are, are favorite kind of things. And I love your kids' love names as well. Yeah, I love a good story about a name. My mom told me that, or and also other people while I was young, that she named me after Catherine from Taming of the Shrew. I was like, I don't think that that's really like a good thing. Like, let's dial that back. But I've never been Catherine ever. Like, right. Yeah. But in that episode, Carolina, who lived across the hall from me, she think calls me Katie. I heard that, so that yeah. Was Katie forever. And so my younger friends or, you know, younger life friends are like, Kate, what? what? Right. Well, so that's it. So Juliet, and it's funny, my mom's like, you were named after someone in a book. And I'm like, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> She's like, no, it actually wasn't. But um, my mom also liked, like, like we had not different names, but a little bit. You know, there was not a lot of Juliets when I was when yeah. I was born. Um, Wait, do, uh, did you know Juliet Angus from Ladies of London? Oh, I know. Ladies yeah. of London was a show on Bravo. Her name's Juliet, and her son's name is Truman. Oh my God. Well, so uh, we would have so many people that would come up to us that were, because I worked for a British company, that their dogs were named Monty and Truman. And we would laugh. Oh, really? And I'm such a huge dog person that I would be like, oh, I love that. And they're like, oh, okay. You, you like that? And I'm like, no, you named your dogs after my kids. Um, but I, I didn't realize that. Oh my God. That's, I love that. Truman's a great name. And when we, we lived in a town in Connecticut, and it was funny because there's not, I mean, I've never really met another Montgomery. I think there was one time I was at in Vegas and the, the guy behind, he was a, you know, the dealer, he was, his name was Montgomery and I like freaked. I was like, Oh my God, my kid's name Montgomery. Um, and then Truman, we really never met, but in Connecticut, we lived in the small ish town outside of the city. And there was like six Trumans. And I was like, that's oh. so weird. Yeah. So weird. But they were all different ages. Truman was the youngest. And then Penelope, there was not a lot of Penelope's. And then all of a sudden within uh-huh. the bunch of months that she was born is when then everyone had Is that because of the Kardashian daughter? It, right. After, because we had Penelope, our Penelope first. And so one of my really good friends that lives in Ojai, she always like used to make fun of me. She's like, oh, no one has my kids' names because she tried to do Sophia before Sophia then became really popular. Oh. Um, so she was one of the first Sophias. And then her uh, her son is Emilio, who not everyone, there's not a lot of Emilios. Um, and so Are she would Portuguese? make fun of me. I'm sorry? Are they Portuguese? No, they're actually Italian. So that's what she was like, you know, they would laugh. Um, but so that's, yeah, she would make, she would call me. She'd be like, oh, here's another Penelope. And I'm like, stop telling me of all the Penelopes. What's this woman doing now? I'm interested in her. Oh, my friend Carrie? Yeah. Oh, you she, would actually. Still in Ojai? She is in Ojai. You would love her. Uh, you would actually love them. 
run that town because I know there's this woman that moved there and I'm fascinated by her. I think she should be on the Real Housewives of Montecito that probably doesn't exist. But I just find people that live there to be fascinating. So she grew up in Garden City, summered in the Hamptons, and right. then and her uh, her husband grew up in Westchester. And they moved, he's in, he's a cameraman. So they were in LA for years and she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to valley park in the pediatricians. I just want to walk into my pediatricians. So they moved to, um, they moved to Ojai. And I remember at first she was like, this is because everyone's moving to Ojai. I know. Just about Sophia and Emilio, Emiliano. And now she's pissed because everyone's moving to Ojai. Yeah. And I can't wait to tell her that she we, we talked about her on my podcast. She's going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a riot. She's so funny. And she really, she loves it there now. But in the beginning, she's like, this is the weirdest place I've ever been. She's like, it's so strange. And everyone, she's like, you either do well or you don't. Like, she's like, it's just, it's such a bizarre place. But now they really, really like it. Um, have you ever listened to the Just Enough Family podcast? It's relatively new. Yes. Is that the one that you're obsessed with? One of the, yeah, Liz Lang's story. Okay, I have not heard that one yet. Steinberg's. So they were this very, very extremely wealthy family in New York during the 80s and 90s. And then their insurance company went bust. But Liz, who's the narrator, she's Liz Lang, who made the maternity wear line. Yes. And her family's bonkers. I mean, I again, I love crazy people. I love crazy family stories. Um, That's a podcast to listen to. That just like New York and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, totally. So Kate, I want, I would love for you to tell everyone, you guys can see the scrolls where you can find Kate, but also where can we find your podcast everywhere, right? Everywhere. I mean, you just put it in reality life with Kate Casey. Um, I'm on Instagram at Kate Casey CA. Twitter is a good time for me. I enjoy it. Um, at Kate Casey, I tweet about shows and during shows all week long. I put out a must watch list every week. It just came out last night, every Monday in your email box. This week, I've got eight things for you to watch in different genres. So go to katecasey.substock.com to get that list. Wait, um, say that one again for the list. So it's katecasey.substock.com. And it comes to your email every Monday. And it's a cheat sheet on what to watch this week. And I'm telling you, I have brought couples together. I'm not going to brag, but I will. Listen, yeah. people at night, they're like, what do I watch? I, I will bring you together with your loved one, with your coworker, with your neighbor down the street. They're going to go, Juliet, what do I watch? You're going to go, this is what Kate says. And this yeah. is real stuff. So I you got that. that. And then Facebook, I've got a great group called Reality Life with Kate Casey with like smart, normal, funny, cool people that are like just wanting to talk about what's going on um, in unscripted TV that week. That's awesome. And this will also all be in the show notes, guys. This this uh, episode will go out on um, you know my RSS feed probably in a few weeks, but you'll see me promoting it. And it will also be on YouTube. So wherever you guys are watching, um, if you're like driving, don't stop to try to write things down. It will be in the show notes in a few weeks. <laughs> I always, I feel like I always have to say that because I, whenever I'm listening to something and I'm driving, I always like either want to pull over or like write something down or yell to my kids, please take a pen out. Or I try to do my notes. Yeah. Um, Montgomery, then, Truman, Penelope, get your pens out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they, they really like, oh yeah, mom, let me do that. <laughs> you know, they're real stars. You need to tell them today. We, we spoke a lot about you. Yeah. Well, that's actually when they all, every time I'll have a podcast, they'll be like, when did you, when did you talk? Did I come up? What did you say? And I'm like, Sometimes it will be like, uh, you know, something funny. I'm like, yeah, I talked about it. They're like, oh my God. Okay, thanks. <laughs> what are their ages? 16, 14, and 12. 
So you're in the season right now. Yeah. Like I'm beginning that season oh. and I feel like, you know, Guantanamo <sighs> Bay would have done a lot better if you brought in some teenage girls. You know what I mean? They would have been like, we don't want to be here. We'll go back to our country. You know what I'm saying? Like we're out. Yeah. So I have to say, so Penelope, because that's what everyone always will be like, oh, you have, you know, oh, you have the two boys. Now you have the girl. At, at first they're like, oh, you get someone that sits in colors. And I was like, she's literally on my head. Like if I stopped for two seconds, she would shimmy at my body and be on my head. Like the most active human. We're all very active. And the, you know, the boys were as well. Like no one really sat down and colored and do, did puzzles. We were like jumping in the mud and like, you know, taking the scooters down Park Slope Hills, like, you know, yeah. a thousand miles an hour when they were like two. Um, and so that always makes me laugh. But I have to say, boys going through the puberty as well, like holy moody and just different. Like I, I do have a lot of friends that have girls of their same age and their friends are a little bit more moody and emotional. <laughs> Penelope just gets angry. She gets oh. pissed. And oh. I'm like, oh, okay. So you're not going to be a crier. She's like, what? No. I'm going to like, she's not. Um, she in seventh or sixth grade. So because she's in sixth grade because we oh. in Connecticut are cut off. So like my 16 year olds in 10th grade. So I got that extra year, which I love. But so and Montgomery, when he was I mean, the mo I'd be like, oh, who's okay? Oh, oh, right. I mean, moods like yeah. all crazy. Truman is pretty even. My husband's very even, um, but Truman's gotten a little like a little smart assish. And I'm like, oh, honey, where's where's my blue eyed boy? Like you, right? Yeah, what you were dick? And he's like, thanks, mom. And I'm like, well, you, you are. You're being a dick. Like, <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Um, but you seem so nicer because I say things like. Oh, I had no idea that you're the center of the universe. I, I don't know I if I'm nicer. I realized that, but that is pretty interesting. Huh. Yeah. No, I call them out on their shit. I mean, when they leave, this is what I would say. Like, just be aware of your surroundings and don't be douchebags. Like, that's it. Right. You know? They're, and, they're, and they're good kids. But yes, no, I can be, I can be snark. I can definitely be snarky. Yeah. Oh, good. But there's like three. I feel like when you got, you got two more there, that you got oh. that. No, but then the funniest thing is the last one. I feel like she's the funniest. I'm sure she is. Yeah, she's really, she's, but then my third one, I, I had a hashtag for her when she was little, gives 30% because <laughs> she would be in ballet and she'd be like, I'm not doing this shit. Like right. what is going on? And she sort of carried that continuously. Isn't that funny? So Penelope, that's one thing. So the boys were more like a little bit more people pleaser. Penelope is not, which is very interesting. And I love that about her. I mean, she's going to be, she's a strong woman. Like she is a strong woman and she does not give a shit. Like, I mean, even all her friends are the same kind of way. And it's kind of funny to listen to them. Like they call each other out on their shit. And now I grew up with sisters, right? And we were, we weren't a big drama family. Like my brother always says, you guys always, everyone's like, oh, you must know so much about women. He's like, you guys were so different than every other woman. We were not drama. We said it how it was like, we were not like, we didn't sugarcoat things. Like we were just, we didn't get into it. Like, oh, my boyfriend hurt my feelings. Like we would be a little bit more like, yeah, he hurt my feelings. He's an asshole. Like, you know, we were a little bit more like that. Um, and I have to say, I think Penelope is a little bit more like that. So like she is not a people pleaser. So that's always been interesting. You know, like with the boys, you could have guilted a little bit. Like she'll call you, like she'll be like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to do that. Like if, if I have to do it, Let's yeah. have a conversation about it because let's yeah. figure out how this is best. And I'm like, no, 
you're doing it because I said you're doing it. And so it's constantly like, okay, well, now my your phone's mine. You know, like we're going through that a little bit. And she's like, okay, this is really working. I'm like, oh my Sometimes God. Sometimes you take the phone away and they're like, whatever. Yeah. So like, you, do you think you have power over me? You're wrong. I'm like, <laughs> shit. What are your siblings' names? So my oldest is Elizabeth. Then I have a sister named Jenna and then myself and then my sister Megan and then David. Jenna is such a name of our time. Yeah. It like doesn't Jenna. exist now. Yeah. And I, I, my sister's Megan. We, yeah, were the Meg, we were the original Megan and Kate. I love that. Yeah. Sister Megan looks like a Kardashian. I'm not kidding you. It makes zero. She's like dark, 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 dark. And yeah. So that was the reason I thought my father was not really my father. Well, besides the fact that he abandoned us, but that's another story. But my mom was like, he doesn't look anything like you. And she was right. He doesn't. The only reason I think he is my dad is because he's got the weird memory thing too. Oh. It's a different way. Like he remembers everything in history. So if you if you ask him something, but it's specific to Irish English history. The other weird thing about him, which I forgot to add, is that he's pretending to be an Irishman. Your dad is? He's the original Alaria Baldwin. He, okay, his name's William Paul. He's been Paul his whole life. Now he asks people to call him Liam and he has a brogue and he wears oh. the hat. Yeah. <laughs> tells people that he's an Irishman. He tells people he went to boarding school in Galway. And then I'm the jerk because I always say, you went to Great Valley High School. Okay. I saw your your book. You were on the track team. This is a lie. (laughs) He told my husband that he was involved in a documentary and puts it into the computer. That's when you would put the disc in. And there was a whole, it was like Irish music. Then you hear, I'm not even kidding you, the sound of Bono. He's the narrator for this documentary. And my dad is telling the story in a brogue about how he was in, in, in this bell tower that was bombed. And my husband was my boyfriend. No, he was my new husband at the time. He asked him, so you were in the bell tower? And he winks at him and he goes, it's just Hollywood. I'm like, it's not Hollywood. It's a documentary. They're documenting facts that happened and you just lied about it. Like, what? So do you have a relationship with your dad still? I mean, I'll talk to him every now and then, and I find him to be totally hilarious and weird. And my sister's like, why would you talk to that nutbag? But I kind of think of him as like a character because I didn't grow up with him. Right. So I don't really like take it that personally because I just think he's like a nut bird, you know, like cuckoo bird town. Um, Did, Did your mom ever get remarried? She did. Okay. So the funny thing, you've got to listen to my episode. It's the Queen of the Con, which was a podcast based on an episode of uh, Dateline that this man, Jonathan Walters, met this woman in his building and she pretended to be an Irish heiress. So I had to have him on. This was like a couple episodes ago. And I was like, let me tell you why I like this story, because I've been around cons. Like, I know these people. So right. stepfather pretended he was a Korean war vet. <laughs> but I felt like it was the only one who was like, this is some bullshit. And my mom <laughs> believed it. Like he said he was one of the first UDTs, underwater demolition team that began, that then became the Navy SEALs. And he would tell these stories about being on the sub and watching his friends die and blah, blah, blah. So when he did die, my mom gets the military papers and he was kicked out of basic training because they said he had shown signs of schizophrenia. <gasps> oh yeah. no. So how long was oh. you married to him when you were, so when you, when you guys were young? Yes. And I would have to sit there and listen to these cockamamie stories. I was like, this guy's not in the military. And my mom was like, stop being so negative. I'm like, yeah, he's like lying. 
Right. That one. And then my dad who pretends he's an Irishman. So the whole interview was hilarious with Jonathan. Cause I was like, uh, yeah, like that, that tracks, that tracks about this woman. Like she totally pretended that she was from an Irish uh, Royal family. Right. So now I wonder though, this is actually, this is interesting. Do you think with all the sto- like stories that your dad and then your stepdad told, is that what kind of maybe made you fascinated with stories? I think it was already in me. Yeah. I would always just ask my mom about her friends and people. Like I just was a really curious kid. I would sit and ask adults a prodigious amount of questions. Like right. where'd you grow up? But I always feel like the East Coast Philadelphia girl in me is always looking for the holes. So I could have probably been an adjacent investigator. Like right. I find like send me I always tell my husband, if you are under the gun and you need to like really come to terms with that, whether or not someone should be right for your board, like send them to me. Right. <laughs> because I'm like, eh, that doesn't really add up. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that's that totally could be your Philly East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. But I do feel like I was just basically born that way with like one eyebrow raised. Right. Well, so my husband grew up in the Bronx. And so he, like, I trust people initially until they do something. And usually they, you know, I'm not looking for them to do anything, but I am a very trustworthy, like worthy person. My husband is completely opposite. He's like, no, you have to earn my trust. I always think someone, some, everyone's up to something. And I'm like, no, they're not up to something. Why is everyone up to something? He's like, when you grew up in the neighborhood, everyone was up to something. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. But, but you know, the weird thing is I do have two sides to me because I can be ruthless in like running someone down, like that doesn't add up, but I can also be extremely empathetic and you will hear that in my show. Well, I'll have somebody and they're crying and they're telling me the story and then I'll have someone on and go, John, you believe this bag of bullshit. Like this lady never had any money. Oh, she had an Irish constitution framed in her room. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's but that's hard. actually probably makes you as good as what you do because you can do that. You can wear the, the different hats. Maybe. I mean, even with the kids, it's like they can come in and hug me and I will caress them and hold them and rock them. And then I'll go whisper in their ear, you know, you got to get your homework done. Like <laughs> I, you know, I could like go both sides. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. This is awesome. I could, we could literally sit here and talk for it's a vortex five hours. I will never let people go like, okay, I'll leave you with this. So (laughs) that should have been the name of my show because I always say this, I'll leave you with this. So I'm at a boutique in Newport beach and I'm talking to the woman who I've met a couple of times. And 20 minutes later, she says, you know, I've never told anybody this. And I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, this is like, yeah. Okay. And she's, so my, her father divorced her mom and then he fled to Mexico and then her mom had a boyfriend and her dad came back from Mexico and shot the boyfriend and killed him. Oh. She, she was like, I'd never, so she's in the middle of telling me this. And I, as you can imagine, I'm like, and then what happened? Well, Dan, my husband is outside trying to find parking and he can't find parking because it's Balboa Island. So there's like nowhere to park and he's honking the horn and I know I can hear it, but I'm like, I'm not walking away because she just told me you haven't told anybody this. And he's texting me. I'm not looking at my phone because I'm talking to her. Right. And he finally pulls up and he's like knocking on the window. He's like, hello, let's go. And we get in the car and he's like, why do you ignore my calls? Why? I'm like, you think I'm going to take your call? 
can you just hold for one minute about your your dad <laughs> and, the, and the stepfather and the? the but I know you've you, know, you haven't told anyone, but but you gotta wait. Hold on, hi, honey. Yeah, can you park on Marine? I'll be out in five minutes. Like I cannot do that. Right. So there you go. I love that. Well, I love that last thing, but I'm I'm not kidding. We could be doing we could do this for hours. And so, <laughs> but I know everyone in the audience right now is like, okay, wow, um, Susan Ray, thank you, Jimmy Paul. Gina and James for hanging out and everyone on live LinkedIn, wherever you're listening, if it's Twitter, if it's Facebook, if it is Twitch, don't forget to join us again for another YNS live. And I, actually this week we have Mindy McCord, who is an NFL wife who started the Jacksonville university lacrosse team. And then we also have Maddie Severino who started 10 X lacrosse in Jacksonville. So two lacrosse people this week. I like that. My yeah, son well, lacrosse. Does he? It's, I mean, it's such a great sport. And actually, Maddie, it's I didn't particularly have them on at the same time, like the same day. She, I mean, the, the same week. She um, started signature lacrosse with her husband first, and actually before that had a dog company. So, like a serial entrepreneur, and then founded this lacrosse club in in Very Florida. Nice. Isn't that cool? For I think that's cool because Florida, you don't typically think lacrosse. No, and that's why they did it because they bo- they all played, and so yeah, so that's what they wanted to start it to make it a bigger, bigger kind of thing, right? Because you think of lacrosse Very more cool. of like in our area, yeah. Yeah, well, Kate, Kate well, thank you so much. Jacksonville lacrosse shirt that sounds cool. Totally, and they're really good. I think this is like their sixteenth year, and I, oh, I probably wow. yeah, I mean they've been in it, but they're like constantly in the play. You know, like they're I think they've won four or five years. Yeah, it's a great program. And Paul stopped working for the NFL to actually work with her. So he was an assistant coach. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's tomorrow. So guys, tune in. You can find it in my schedule. And Kate, thank you again so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was wonderful. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you.